Okay, well, uh, this morning, uh, I want to do some really, really practical teaching. Uh, this is so practical, and you know me, I am Mr. Practical. Um, this is going to change your life. I make this bold claim. Um, I want to tell you about the best thing that we can do if we want to live a happy life of pleasure and peace. If we want to overcome our fears and our anxieties, our addictions and our weaknesses. If we want to be better friends, have better marriage partners, better parents, better children, better citizens. Today is going to be really practical. After this, you'll be able to throw away all your self-help books, your 10-step programs, like the prosperity gospel teaching or all sorts of other stuff. Are you ready? Here we go. The best thing you can do is to get to know God as Trinity. Don't switch off. Do not turn to Hillsong or Bethel or even HTB. Hold on. Don't go into the garden. Wait, wait, wait. I know what you're thinking. Oh, no. He's going to talk about the Trinity. That is exactly what I'm going to talk about. Do you know, when I became a Christian at 15, uh, it was the doctrine of the Trinity that just got me. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to explain it. And my friends at school who were atheists or my Muslim friends, they used to tease me. They used to say, hey, Mike, how many fingers have I got? Three or one or one or three. How many gods have you got? One or three or three or one. And I don't know how to answer them. I was like, how on earth do I answer this? And uh, I used to say to God, God, why do you have to be so complicated? Why can't you be like everyone else's God? Why does there have to be three of you, but one of you? And I used to be embarrassed about the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, but not any longer, not any longer. I think the Trinity isn't an empty doctrine. It is how we know who God is. And it is the very reason that we can begin to trust in his love. The Trinity is not a mathematical formula that doesn't quite work. One plus one plus one equals one. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. The Trinity is a beautiful, stunning revelation of God's nature and character. This is good news. The news that God is not a single person household who qualifies for 25% discount on council tax is really, really good news. I am a single person household, so I get my 25% discount. God is not a single person God. He is and has always been a community. Uh, and uh, we can have images of God in our minds that we've grown up with. One of the image that many of us, the way we think of God is as creator. He created the heavens and the earth. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly 
uh, as a science book how he created, but why he created. But we can say he, he he's a creator, or we can believe in God, first of all, as a ruler, as the Lord of all, as the one who rules. But if we that is that neither of those are the major image of God. He is not, first of all, a creator or a ruler. Because if we believed in him, first of all, as a creator, then we could admire him. If we believed in him, first of all, as a ruler, we could respect him. But first of all, he's a father. And when we understand that, when we know that, we can love him. We can love him. You can love a father in a way it's much harder to love a creator or a ruler. I've got these ear pods in and they keep coming out. Um, ouch. Oh gosh, I don't think they'll ever come out again. Um, but he is, <laughs> ouch, sorry, I've just hurt myself. I'm gonna take, I'm, guys, I'm gonna take them off. <laughs> this is, this could be a nightmare. <laughs> Ow. I got burst my eardrum. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, just give me a second. <laughs> Andy, can you take Andy, get off the screen? You're putting me off. Um, so first of all, first of all, God is a father. And when we realize that, we realize certain things. He didn't create us out of boredom. It wasn't that God was on his own for eternity. Because to be a father, you, you have to have a son, you have to have a children. And forever, God has been a community. The father loving the son and the son loving the father, all in the power of the spirit. And um, uh, if, uh, if, if we don't understand that he is, first of all, a father, we can believe maybe that he created out of boredom. It was like in all eternity, after a while, even for an introvert, God must have thought, you know what? I'm really bored. I've been in lockdown on my own here for not nine weeks, but forever. You know what? I'm going to make something. I'm going to create creation to have some fun, to see what it's like out of an experiment. Uh, he didn't create us because he was lonely and needed company, because if he created us out of boredom, then our fear is, what if he thinks, you know what, I've had enough of this one, I'll finish him and I'll do something else. If we believe that he created us out of need, out of loneliness for company, the fear is that at any stage, he could choose to go back to, you know what, I need some introvert time, I'll get rid of them and I'll be on my own. Uh, this was not, his creation was not a curious experiment. He didn't create us because he needed workers or servants. He, is, he, he didn't want to be a ruler to boost his ego. He is not on some power trip. He created us because he is a father. And because he is a father, he is love. The reason we can love him is because he's a personal God. He didn't one day become a father. He's always been a father. He's always been a father. Wouldn't the existence of a universe 
be an irritating distraction for a God whose greatest pleasure is looking in a mirror, which is what he would have done if he was on his own. A God who is love because he has always loved would neither find creation an irritating distraction nor use creation as a means for self-gratification. He is a father and he's always been a father. He's always loved. It's not that he switched it on. How do we know? Because Jesus says in John 17, verse 24, one of the readings we just heard, Father, he prays, you loved me before the creation of the world. He didn't create to complete himself. He didn't create as a distraction. He created out of an overflow of his intense, passionate, deep, exquisite love for his son. So he has always been a father because he loved the son before the creation of the world. He is a father all the way down. So all he does he does as father. That is who he is. He creates us as a father and he rules us as a father. And that means the way he rules over creation is unlike the way any other God would rule over creation. He is not a heavenly policeman like so many of us believe. He is not first a creator or a ruler. He is first of all a father. If, before everything else, God was eternally a father, then this God is a life-giving God. That's the nature of being a father. Fathers give life. Fathers give life. Fathers are outgoing. He is, by his very essence, a life-giving, outgoing God. And the God who is love is the father who sends his son. This is what Jesus, this is what it says in 1 John uh, 4 verse 9. John says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. If God didn't love, he wouldn't be a father. Love is not merely something the father has. It's not one of his many moods. Rather, he is love. God is love, says John in his first letter. It is the essence of his being. It has always been so, and it will always be so. If there was once a time when the son didn't exist, then there was once a time when the father was not yet a father and yet he is. We read in Hebrews 1.3, uh, the writer says that the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. And there's <clears throat> a guy called Gregory of Nyssa, um, who is a very ancient theologian. I lived hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And he described the relationship between the Father and the Son based on this verse as, as like the relationship between a lamp and light. Uh, this is very old, so it's a little bit funny wording. He says this, as the light of the lamp 
is of the nature of that which sheds the brightness and is united with it. For as soon as the lamp appears, the light that comes from it shines out simultaneously. So in this passage, the writer would have us consider both that the Son is of the Father and that the Father is never without the Son. For it is impossible that glory should be without radiance, as it is impossible that the lamp should be without brightness. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. We're going to get why this matters in a minute. The father in creation, he spoke. He spoke the word. Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was the was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. But he also breathed life. Breath, it, ruach in the Hebrew, is the spirit. And so God spoke his word on his breath, on his breath at creation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all involved in creation. And that which was true of creation is true of our salvation. After Jesus rose from the dead and before he went to heaven, he says at the end of John's gospel, uh, go into all the world and proclaim my love. And then it says he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son who were involved together in creation were involved together in salvation. The Christian God is not lonely, but has been loving for all eternity, for all eternity. And um, he wants us to be like him. And he created us to be like him. We were created in his image. Our book of the week next week is going to be the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And uh, um, C.S. Lewis brilliantly um, he talks about letters, he writes these imaginary letters from a senior devil to a junior devil uh, and about how they can get us and keep us away from the enemy, which is God and, and their schemes. And it, he has great insights into the ways we get tempted. But listen to what Screwtape says to Wormwood, his junior devil. And he's talking about how the enemy, God, is so annoying and how he seems to love his people, and it's ridiculous. And then he says this, we, the devils, we want cattle who can finally become food. He wants servants who can finally become sons. We want to suck in. He wants to give out. We are empty and would be filled. He is full and flows over. I love that. What a description of God. He is full and flows over. He created us out of the overflow of the passionate love the Father and the Son in the power of the Spirit have for one another. And we see it in the beauty of everything around us. It reflects his beauty. Uh, Paul says to the Philippians in chapter 4, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, guys, let's just pause a minute. What can we think of that we can think about, that we can think on, meditate on, that is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you know, as we meditate on him, as we meditate on the beauty of our Father, who is our creator, something happens to us. Karl Barth uh, said this, the triunity of God is the secret of his beauty. And the triunity of God is the source of all beauty. Because it's the secret of his beauty, it's the source of all beauty. In the triune God, this is another quote, in the triune God is the love behind all love, the life behind all life, the music beyond all music, the beauty behind all beauty, and the joy behind all joy. And we see it in creation. There is harmony and beauty in all of creation. You go out at night, and unless you're living in the center of a big city, you look up in the sky on a clear night, and there's billions of stars. And you can think, God, you went crazy. I mean, just a few stars would have done us. Why all of that? Why all of that? I, 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 when I'm not in lockdown, I travel to many different countries. And there's the beauty of the rainforest, the tropical rainforests uh, in many of the hotter places in Malaysia, um, in parts of Africa, in Northern Australia, in Hawaii. There's, there's the amazing Pacific Ocean. There's the white sandy beaches you can find in many parts of the world. There's, there's, there's the beauty of, of um, the Grand Canyon, of the Niagara Falls. There's the rolling hills of England. There's the fjords of Norway. There's, in Holland, uh, I can't think for Holland, but there, there's all over, there's this utter, that's a joke for my Dutch friends, this utter amazing beauty, the beauty of the Alps. I go to the Alps and my breath is taken away. It is a reflection of God. Yes, the hills are alive with the sound of music. They really are. With songs they have sung for a thousand years. I'm wasted doing this job. I should have been in musicals. I really should. Do you know, I just have to go to my garden. Yes, I'm going to mention my garden again. Sorry. I'm not sorry. And I go to my garden and there is the beauty. I can see it through the window. I've got these yellow roses, stunning. There's these bright crimson roses. There are these dark red roses. And that's just roses near each other, three different colors. There's, there's my olive tree that's gonna produce olives. My, 
my my fig tree that's got figs on it already. There's my vines with little grapes just coming. There's my apple trees that aren't producing anything this year. There's, there's the beauty of all the different stuff. And you can just sit there and say, wow, wow. And there's harmony in the way he created. We created St. Albans Road. He created all that is beautiful and all that is harmonious. And there is a harmony, a beauty, an extravagance of creation. And you know what? That's why we love music. Because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has always been in harmony. And the essence of music is harmony. The essence of music is, 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 is coming together. And uh, C.S. Lewis, in his brilliant Narnia books, he describes Aslan as, as um, singing Narnia, singing the world into existence. And there's a tradition in the church that God sang the beauty of creation into existence. He is the singing God. He sings over us before we ever sing over him. Zephaniah 3.17, he will rejoice over you with singing. You know, when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, that it's like the father couldn't help himself. He, he shouted down from heaven, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. He shouted it. And, and, and do you know, in Zephaniah 3.17, it says, he, I, he rejoices over us with singing. The, the passionate, extravagant love the father has for the son, he has for me. He rejoices over his creation and he rejoices over me and you with singing. And so when I go into my garden and I praise him, I'm joining in with his appreciation and glory and beauty. When I cook a magnificent meal, and I'm not able to cook them for me right now because I'm trying to lose weight. So I'm on broccoli and boiled fish and salad and ribita virtually every day. So do you know what? There, as a child of God, there's creative things in me that had to come out. So a few days ago, I thought, right, stuff it. I can't, I can't, I can't cook for me because that's bad. So I've started cooking for other people. And I've made gleftigo which is the most incredible lamb. I gave Andy and Beth and the family um, a, a, a leg of lamb. I've cooked macaroni do furno and I gave it to my neighbours. And uh, uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, I cooked it again and uh, I left it for um, some folk in my church, in our church to come and collect the Degaris um, and Ben Lazel. And I'm going to do it more. And do you know what? As I cook the most incredible food, I'm just reflecting the beauty of the creator. We were made in his image, which means we were made to love. We were created to love. And you see when we, because he's love, he didn't create us as robots. He wanted us to be able to choose to freely love him back because he's a God of freedom in love, freedom in choice. 
And so he created us with that freedom. And where we went wrong, Adam's sin was not by in breaking the rules. God is not a policeman. It was so much deeper than that. It was that Adam and Eve, are the first human beings, are our. it's in us. What we did was instead of reflecting God's love by an outward, life-giving, extravagant, giving back love, we decided to love ourselves more. We decided, I want what's me first. And that brings death because love of self is not really love. Love of self is a corruption of love when it's about loving me first. There's a, oh, there is a right, there is a right love and respect for self and we're not meant to hate ourselves. But you know what? What they did is they turned it in on themselves to selfishness. Sin is spelt S-I-N. The heart of sin is I. It's all about me. And we see that in the world around us. Instead of a love that was poured out, it became a love all about me. And I come into land with this. Sorry, this has been a bit long. We're nearly there. The Holy Spirit is described in the Nicene Creed as the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And it's the three God, three in one together. The Lord, the giver of life. He comes sent by the Father and the Son. Some families like to keep themselves to themselves. Not this family. Not this family. The outgoing, giving, overflowing, singing love of the Father always reaches out to create and unite and bring harmony. This family does not keep themselves to themselves. Outgoing, life-giving, creating. And that, my friends, is the context in which he sends us. The Father out of love sent the Son. The Father and the Son sent the Spirit. And now the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit send us. They send us out in the world, not to make up the numbers of his kingdom, not to win an argument, but so that in his name and in his presence, we would display his burning, passionate, magnificent love. And when we know this, it changes us. It really does. It's the most practical. Getting to know God as he is, not as we imagine him, is the most practical thing that we can possibly do. I want to finish by telling you a story from many years ago. Many years ago, I had a friend and he fell in love with this girl and it was bad news from the beginning. She treated him terribly. And I know it's usually guys that treat girls terribly, but this was one occasion where it was the other way around. She, um, she kept going off with other guys. She kept cheating on him. She kept gossiping about him. She treated him badly. 
She got him to spend everything he had on her and then she played games with him. She broke up with him two or three times and he kept coming back to her. And he just, and I, I sat him down and I gave him all my best relationship advice because I am the relationships guru. Maybe not. But as I kept telling him and I kept saying after all, I got frustrated, what is wrong with you? She is bad news for you. Can't you see that? She treats you badly. You're like a dog going back to its vomit. Why do you keep, are you a masochist? What is wrong with you? And you know, none, none of my logic, nothing I could possibly say could do it for him. And even after they broke up for the last time and she said, look, I'm just so not interested in you. You know, for about, I don't know, four or five months, he was pining. Four or five months, he was miserable. He couldn't get her out of his head and his heart. And then suddenly something happened that changed everything. He met another. And within moments, Number one was forgotten. Within moments, she was a memory. He was madly in love. And I was thinking, I have told you, I have spent hours, I have counseled you, I have, I have advised you, I have explained, I've drawn diagrams. And in just a moment, everything changes. It's called the expulsive effect of a greater affection. We can try and get told and to try and obey rules and told this is bad for you, this is bad for you, don't get addicted to that, don't do that, don't eat too much, don't drink too much, don't, don't whatever. And even though, oh yes, yes, we can't help it. But when we really encounter him, the father who loves us, in the Son and through the Spirit, everything changes. You want to live a life of happiness and peace and satisfaction. Taste and see that the Lord is good.